This is actually the first episode of 2021, episode 40 of Utah in the Weeds. My name is Chris Hollifield. I'm Tim Pickett. And we have a very special guest today. The uh, The first episode of the year, we figured let's bring a patient on, Valerie Blaylock. Is that how you pronounce your name, Valerie? It is. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and uh, being willing to kind of share a little bit of your story or a little bit of your uh, cannabis usage and your history there. Uh, did, was there anywhere like uh, special you wanted to start with this one, Tim, or do you want to kind of just go way you know, back here with Valerie or, or how do you want to do this one? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I think the exciting thing about Valerie is she has a lot of personal experience. She has a good relationship with the plant. Is that true, Valerie? Yeah, I would say that that's very true. Yeah. So I think this episode, we just, you know, we just see where it takes us, Chris. We'll see where 2021 takes us. Now, Valerie, when you say a, like a relationship with the plant, what do, you, what do you mean by a relationship? Is this like, as far as, uh, I mean, growing it, as far as like just uh, using it for years and years and years, or, or let's talk about that relationship there. My relationship with cannabis has actually, I think, evolved. At first, I started using it to kind of cope with my chronic pain and with my, like, I have constant sleep issues. And at one point I was on, uh, I was on opiates, tramadol, which they told me wasn't an opiate, but is, and a bunch of other medications. And I think at one point I was like on 20 medications or something ridiculous. I was initially diagnosed with MS. So a lot of like complicated medical conditions that were really hard to manage. And you know, I, I did what I could. I got it where I could. Um, I tried to source it as best I could. But the problem is that, you know, when it's not legal, people will do what it takes to take care of themselves. And honestly, it was one of the few things that worked. How, how many, how far back was this? Let's just for a little bit of a timeline. I mean, are we talking 20 years here? Are we talking 10 years? Are we talking 40 years? What are we talking um, I would say consistently, consistent use of cannabis would be probably, probably a solid 10 years um, as far as for treating medical stuff. Um, I mean, of course, you know, 16, 17, um, probably a little bit younger than that. <laughs> I used it to escape at first. Honestly, I have an addictive personality. And if it's a thing, I can get addicted to it. Um, <laughs> I like, I struggle with my relationship with cannabis sometimes, but especially now, especially having access to um, strains that I can count on and things that, that I can experiment with, that has really enhanced my ability to cope with my depression, um, to cope with my medical stuff, to cope with my addiction, actually, because I can be very deliberate about it. I can be very deliberate about the strains I choose and in those moments, or do I use a tincture or do I use flour? Or do I use both? Do I use the high THC? Do I use high CBD or both like some combination of it? So I, look at this as, you know, the interesting thing is, 
sometimes when I use a strain, it affects me one way. Sometimes I use a strain, it affects me another way. And I really think um, I've worked with herbs in the past, and it is very, very similar. There's a, for lack of a better term, there's an energy to the plant. When you approach an herb or a plant on its own terms, uh, I think that that there's a relationship that happens, almost an agreement, like, okay, like I'm willing to see what you have to give me and um, to work with that. You know, it's so easy to take that pill and not be conscious of it. You know, Chris, we've heard this before, like Valerie talks about how having consistent product selection and consistent access has made a big difference in your ability to um, to treat your condition or to use it medically or to use it for whatever really you want, but consistently, not just getting it wherever or buying a bunch at once and then using up what you using the best stuff first and being left with, oh, I've got this bag of gummies that, yeah, they're okay, but it's all I got. And hoping you can find something, you know, similar down the road, you know, again, because yeah. it works so well, you know. Sure. And I don't think anybody keeps, before you were able to get it here, Valerie, did you, I mean, were you somebody who kept a journal of what you used before and then would go back and seek out the same brand and the same strain? Or was that just something you, that like, I don't know anybody who does that. Actually, I was one of those people. <laughs> I did actually do my best to, um, when I would go, I would try to keep track of at least what worked and what didn't so that the next time I got product, because um, honestly, I was going out of state. Yeah. And so you never know if you go, you know, every six months or whatever, you never know what they're going to have and things change. So even though I was trying to pay attention, again, there's that consistent access, right? Like driving six hours or four hours or three hours or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's a significant commitment to do. So it, it is, it's, it's difficult. It becomes a burden and it becomes like, okay, do I have enough product to last me the rest of this month? Do I need to drive sooner? Do I need to plan this thing? So yeah, being able to actually have that has been enormously helpful. And I have been doing my best to keep a journal now. Some days I'm better at it than others, but I have a general idea. One of the things that I like is, and I tell our clients this too, Tim, is I understand that it's frustrating because we don't have, we, we can't count on exactly the product we're going to have every month, whether we're going to have flour, what strains we're going to have and all of that. So yeah, I, I guess that's know. a good point. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because we're, we're more consistent than before, but still we're at the point where we're still not, you still can't go down and buy, you know, you can't go buy the strain you want every day, every time, every day. Yep. Yeah. And so when I'm talking to our patients, I let them know that I don't, can I mention the actual website or not? Oh yeah. You can mention the website. Okay. So Leafly has an amazing terpene profiler now. Cool. So terpenes and CBD and CBN and all of that. So what I do is 
I go, if I find something that I like, so like Tim, you and I were talking about the Durban poison and how the Durban poison was kind of helping my whole GI tract. And that was like part of it. And then when I started to mix in some of the, um, the CBG hemp flower, where I did that two to one mix with the Durban poison, that was amazing. Hmm. So, but we, I haven't seen Durban poison now for a couple months. So what I do is I go on Leafly and I look up Durban poison and then I look up similar strains. That's a good idea. And oh, and then you can go to the dispensaries and you can try to find similar strains. Exactly. Oh, that's a really good idea. Okay. So to back up just a little bit, because you mentioned that you work in our clinic and you see patients and for the listeners, this is, it's really important. And, and this is part of the reason why uh, we wanted you to come on too, because you're unique amongst patient navigators because you're not 22 and you have, you have a, a perspective, not only as a patient and an advocate of cannabis, but experience in a way that is different. And just, I feel like the way that you present cannabis to patients is more comforting. Do you feel like that's one of the things that, that you like to do? Because you're, you're really good at it. And when you talk about the, the strains that you're using and the terpenes and things like that, you really, like you're into this. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Actually, honestly, I feel like, you know, that old like Remington commercial where the guy's like, I liked the company so much I bought it. <laughs> when I saw that you had a job opening, that I became about pursuing that because I, I love our clinic in that you have a very unique viewpoint. You are all about destigmatization first. And I think that that is absolutely critical. I've seen it in mental health when I, I worked up at uni for eight years and I see that like, if you destigmatize it, patients actually tell you what their real experience is and you can actually connect and and meet them where they are and help them shift to where they want to be. So for me, education, I love education. I am a freaking cannabis geek. I'm a vaporizer geek. I like get obsessed about it. <laughs> I like looking into things, you know, I'm I so for me it's honestly I've had people say what are you doing different? Like you are so different from, you know, a month ago from where you were. Cause I, I was really struggling with the pandemic and I stepped away from my previous job as, as a psychic reader, which I had done for almost 15 years because that really helps me help others. And with the pandemic and with everything, I had to step away from that. I couldn't, I couldn't keep myself as open, but I didn't feel like I was being of service. And for me, that's huge. So the opportunity that you've given me to actually educate people and meet them where they are. And, you know, some people really, they just want, give me the three times a day tincture, whatever it is. And that's totally fine. And I tell our clients, our patients that, you know, like, if that's where you want to be, 
just let us know. And that's where we'll meet you. But if you want to be all into it, like, like me and, and be a weirdo and all of that, like we can meet you there too. And so that's what I love about your perspective, Tim, is that the first thing that has to happen is that destigmatization and that, look, I'm just like you and I've been where you are and I'm not going to make you feel stupid if, if I can absolutely help it. So I think, I think it's actually really an amazing opportunity. I think you're, um, that's the key is the destigmatization. That's what I like about this podcast is, you know, we're just talking about it like it's kind of a normal thing. Yeah. Now, what do you think about cannabis? And Chris, this, this is a kind of a question for everybody. We are all, th- the three of us especially, we're also deep in the cannabis culture in Utah and what we do. Do you feel like you've got a, like we have a little bit of a warped view? Sometimes I think I've got a little bit of a warped view because like it's all cannabis all the time. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I got to back up and say, oh, well, not everybody is in this world. Well, especially when you find that one person that still has that warped idea that it's like a gateway drug, that it's going to open up these other doors for harder drugs. It's like, wow, there's still people like that out there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Where, where we don't, yeah. I, like I don't run into those people all the time or very commonly anymore. But when you do, it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's odd. And and they probably look at us maybe and, and say the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, you've just drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Well, you're just looking yeah. for a reason to get high. Yeah, you're just using it as a reason to get high. It's weird because, like, I don't, I don't know. As a patient, um, you know, a lot of patients don't use it all the time. You know, use it when you need it. Don't use it when you need it. You still need a card. It's not like you know, I don't have, I don't have pain all the time, <laughs> right? So, Valerie, let's get back to this use because you have, because we talked about your use about the Durban poison and then mixing hemp flour. Mm-hmm. So, what's your favorite? Maybe a, a few few quick questions here. What's your favorite dry herb vaporizer? Mm. What are you currently using? All of them. Yes. <laughs> do you have you have a lot of them? I do actually. Oh, that's awesome. I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I I have um I actually have two fireflies, which uh you just you just started using a little bit too, Tim, didn't you? Yeah, the firefly. It the firefly is super cool. Yeah, and. You are the one who told me that the one of the reasons the packs isn't I don't know there's a silicone thing in the packs uh-huh. and so the silicone absorbs the the flavor yep. and then the next the next round or the next bowl of flour tastes like the old one. Mhm. Huh. Yep. Because of the silicone I didn't know that. Oh yeah. And no, you know I didn't know people, that before. It doesn't bother? I mean I know people in people in our clinic even who absolutely love the packs and uh, to be honest the packs is really really good for people who want just something fairly simple fairly easy and it's really pretty easy to clean there aren't a whole lot of parts it's just pretty simple so i mean i think honestly all vaporizers have a place even the crappy you know 30 40 dollar dryer vaporizers that are going to give you like maybe two or three bowls and then maybe go out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I actually, yeah. And you know, and I actually encourage people, especially people who have smoked for a really long time 
and like even some of our older folks like our older hippie hippie kind of people like that <laughs> generation um which is not far from me i'm 52 so i'm not calling anybody out on their age just saying um <laughs> i think that once you get a vaporizer in somebody's hand and they can actually experience it and realize that man what well, like i've been smoking and it's really harsh and it's like you know it's like when i quit smoking smoking and went to vaping and then i would be around smokers and i'd be like oh my god like i smelled like that all the time so i think it really is about getting a vaporizer in somebody's hand and letting them experience that i also think that each vaporizer is it has its own quirks mm-hmm. and if you don't have somebody that is a little familiar with it like I mean, I obsessively watch YouTube reviews and and read stuff and all the reviews and right, but but a lot of people don't want to do that, so that's why I kind of like what we do in clinic as well, which is that education part because most people I, I love so we have a packet that we give to our patients and in that packet there is a a couple of things, Tim, that I find incredibly helpful. The first one is that spectrum, um, that temperature spectrum for all of the uh, cannabinoids. Like how hot you're you're burning it. Exactly, exactly. And at the very top with combustion, there are three things that you can access, three. And there are like a hundred different combinations of terpenes and cannabinoids and all of that. So you blow past all that medicine, all of it, and all you get are those three. It's like two cannabinoids and a and a terpene, right, Tim? I think. Yes, and then yep, and I mean primarily you're just you're getting the THC. Correct. You know that and the plant material in your lungs, which is which is no good. Which we talk about a lot on the podcast, like smoking. You know how they want to add smoking to the available list of delivery methods, and you know the. Utah Medical Association is against it. And I agree with you, Valerie. I I like the vaping is safer and uh-huh. you need to experience it. If you've been smoking a long time, you really just need to experience it because it's just different. Correct. But I was curious when you were mentioning all the different vaporizers. So you truly believe that all the, they each offer kind of something different. It, it's helpful to have multiples. Like I've always been the one who's type who's been like, well, if I'm only, you know, using it at home, a vaporizer I use at home. Like I use a volcano. So I'm like, well, I'm at home and that's all I need to use. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you think I might benefit from some of these other ones? Yeah, I do. Did you think it burns different? I do. I think it, I think so. Okay. So there are two different, technically three different. There's the conduction, there's convection, and then there's hybrid. So conduction is like the packs if you have a PAX or if you have any kind of conduction vaporizer, you want to grind your herb usually pretty fine and you want to pack it tight. So the reason for that is you want that herb in complete contact with that surface that's going to heat up because you want that herb to heat up evenly so that you get all of the components, right? So, but in a convection, where it uses warm air circulating through the herb, you actually want to pack it looser 
and in a bigger like big bigger chunks because that gives it more surface area for the air to rotate over so the way you pack things are going to be a little different you're going to stir a convection kind of in the middle so it's kind of like um each individual vaporizer has its own um, combination of factors that once you get to learn or once you um, kind of know. So I usually go, if I really want a lot of flavor, if I want a lot of terpenes, I would usually use a convection. So I'll go with the Firefly. Do you think most people really know what their vaporizers are though? Do you think most people? No way. No, I, was no gonna, way. I, I don't even know what a volcano, I mean, what what is a volcano? Is that a? Well, it depends. Do you have the digital one or do you have the manual one? I have the manual one. I wish I had the oh, digital okay. one. I know, right? So they both work. I think they're it's primarily convection, but oh. from my understanding, it is a bit of a hybrid. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a hybrid, but mostly the air passing through it, the convection. Yes. That's the design of it is is supposed to be like that, right? Like the Firefly, because you're sucking the air through the chamber up into the, the just a little different than the packs. Yeah, I like the Firefly because it's so, okay, so let me back up a little. With um, the Firefly, I was talking to you, Tim, about like how I was actually combusting the herb. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I don't understand. So it was literally how I was drawing, how I was packing, the fact that I didn't stir sooner. Um, one of the other things that I found is instead of stirring, I kind of, turn the firefly and just kind of tap it and it kind of stirs up without even having to open up the thing because you don't pack it too tight right exactly exactly yep. so but the thing that i love about the firefly is the fact that it goes right from the oven it goes across that it has a glass vapor path right so glass doesn't absorb so it's not going to build up on the glass like it does on the silicon and so you're always going to have that consistent flavor and that consistent vapor production that goes over that glass. It's never going to be adulterated in that form. So that's one of the things that I like about the Firefly. Yeah, I think the flavor of the Firefly, now that I've, now that I've tried it, it's the superior flavor of a portable vaporizer. Yes. It's the superior, if, if flavor is a big deal and... Small, do you find that you're using your, like with the packs, it seems like you could pack it and you can use it multiple sessions, whereas you kind of get diminished taste, right? Taste isn't as good yeah. the second session, but right. you've still got flour in there you want to use. So, you know, use it up. Whereas the Firefly is more of a single session, yep. like event, because you're I, not, you don't put as much in there and I don't know, you, you tasted it after and it's just disgusting. Yeah. Well, and I think I think the thing um, that I that I like also about the Firefly is that it is on demand too. So it is it is probably the smallest. From my understanding, I am not I don't know every vaporizer out there, but the smallest convection oven that's on demand. So you know, with it taking three seconds to heat up and it cools down, and even though the the case still stays warm. The actual herb isn't that isn't still getting combusted or not combusted, but vaporized. Wait, it so, heats up in three seconds. It heats up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so ridiculous. To, to kind of explain that a little bit, a Firefly has two buttons on the side. You don't push the buttons, you just connect the buttons. And you're showing us on the on the the screen here, but our listeners can't see it. You connect the two by just your fingers are the connection. Huh. In three to five seconds, it is hot and ready to inhale. When you let go, it goes off. It is either on or it is off. Yep. And so people really like it. It's so unlike the packs where you turn it on, the packs you turn on and it stays on until you turn it off. The Firefly, you turn it on every every hit, essentially, and it turns off. Yeah, there's a good there's a good conversation about kind of three different types of vaporizers. One, all portable. Of course, you have the volcano, which is the classic desktop vaporizer, which is great if you're gonna if you're gonna use it and you can afford it. And the Firefly, which is you know an expensive for a portable, but convection, the PAX, which is conduction and a little bit different. And then your hybrids, which are various prices. Exactly. Do you, have you ever used the Da Vinci? I haven't. I never, I started showing you my extreme cue. This is an oh. airizer. Hmm. I'm sorry. I, I, I would like to speak with this. This is basically a volcano, but for like 169 as opposed to 350. What's it called? It's uh, it's the Airizer Extreme Q. It actually has a has a ceramic. It's ceramic and glass element. Heats up the its convection, so heats air through it, and you can either fill a bag or it has uh, like a hookah tube. So this hmm. is this is what I use at home. Oh, that's cool. I, that's cool. I couldn't justify five hundred dollars. So there really volcano. isn't a difference. I mean that that's going to work just as good as a volcano. Wow! Yeah, have to get exactly. Me- it does bags. Um, it doesn't work quite as well as the volcano with bags. Um, okay. The volcano, I don't, I don't know. Stores in Bickle, they're they're ridiculous. They're they've been around forever. But something, I don't know the way it's set up or whatever. The the bag doesn't get harsh after a while quite as quickly as the bag on the extreme queue. So huh. it's just a thing. Again, it's just a thing. So it, but if you're going to use it at home and that's the only place you're going to use it and you sit in your chair next to your television, you set it up, you have a hookah. It's basically hookah type setup. You turn the fan on. It even has a little remote control that you can turn the fan on and off. You can turn the thing, the temperature up and down Oh, That's wow. the one thing that I like about the Airizers. So Airizer is a smaller Canadian company and all of their devices, except for I think like one, the the Air, have temperature control on the unit itself, which means that you don't have to have an app. You don't have to do anything fancy. You literally can change it degree by degree. So by dialing that in, you can dial in the terpenes and the cannabinoids and all of those things that you want specifically degree by degree. Okay. Explain that a little bit because people don't understand how the experience at 330 degrees, 350 degrees is different than it is at 450 degrees because of this terpene profile and where things are activated. 
Do you use this in medicating the temperature? Yes. What's the difference for you between like a strain? You're you're telling me that a strain, this is my experience too, a strain at uh, vaped at 350 degrees, totally different experience than vaped at 450 degrees. Yep. 100%. What's um, the difference? Wow. So I start fairly low I, and also, also I use Celsius, so I don't, I don't know okay. what, the, what the change is, but I start at like between 150 and 165 Celsius, which is probably what, 320, 350? Oh, wow. So you go low. Like yeah. So yeah, no, I absolutely go low. And what I do is I hit, because at that really low, low temperature, you can actually activate like the CBN because CBN, what Tim is like, like it's just barely over like 310 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's super low, but like all of the, you know, the, the, the two cannabinoids that we focus on largely is the CBD and the THC, but all of those sub cannabinoids have their own experience. So being able to access that at the really low temperatures, you start to really taste like the flavors. So you'll, you'll have that kind of diesel taste or you'll have that citrusy taste or um, those all those terpenes become active at different temperatures and all of those terpenes have different effects on your system so for me that's often the difference in the strains is the the active terpenes the active cannabinoids and that is more impactful on my medical use than whether it's a sativa or an indica or a hybrid or whatever. So does that answer? Yeah, totally. Do you find that lower temperatures are better for daytime use, higher temperatures at night or vice versa? Or is it just strain by strain? I would say it's strain by strain, largely. I don't, I don't know that I would correlate temperature with time of use only insofar as if you go higher, you're going to have that more activation of the THC. So the higher you go, the more THC is active. So I guess in that, in that specific thing, I would say probably, yeah, lower temperatures would be better because it wouldn't activate that THC as much, at least in my experience. But like the the question that I asked you uh, when we were doing my my uh, my visit, when I asked you, so have you had the experience of like people with ADHD having paradoxical effects with sativas? And you were like, I, I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't like, I, yeah. I, I I I haven't captured that. Like you're the weirdo. you're the weirdo i don't have any other weirdos so um because i find that a couple of the sativas like pineapple express every time knocks me on my butt and i sleep for a couple hours oh wow and that is supposed to be one of the most energizing strains and i've had that with a couple other sativas where i'm just like (laughs) so yeah. Huh. I think that um that just proves the point that it's it's hard to get good um it's hard to get good dosing and delivery guidelines for everybody 
when it comes to plant-based medicine in general, it really is keep a journal, try it out, figure it out, keep a low dose. And that, and that's okay. We had a, we had a meeting with the department of health the other day about dosing and how providers are recommending dosing. And there is so much different opinion in the expert field of, of Utah. This meeting was with really a handful of people who are really involved in the space and none of us can figure out how to dose really? a, a brand new patient. I mean, the pharmacists are like, well, you, you know, you just kind of got to try it out. And the, and the providers are like, yeah, you kind of just got to try it out. And that's different than other medicine. And it's hard to design a legal system for that. And, it, and it, when every strain is different, every temperature is different. Think of all the possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And how wonderful and amazing and fabulous is it that this one freaking plant, this one freaking plant has so many applications, including cancer treatment. There are international studies that show improvement in lung cancer inhaling the cannabis. It treats that. So how freaking amazing that this plant does so many things if you treat it with like curiosity and and respect and fascination and decide to even ask that question of even if that person doesn't want to get involved in in any more than just an alternative thing that opening to say i want something different than just a mindless medication you know like i just want to be able to take it and forget about it um i think it it goes back to the fact that we're not being mindful anymore and we're not being present and being present with your medical treatment, being present with your medicine, I think makes a difference, even if it's just in your own resilience, in your own experience of that, you know, your own empowerment. I see it with herbs too. You know, people, people go in wanting that quick fix and you will never get it with an herb. You just won't. So there's this this blend I think that that is hard to to get where you've got the medical 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 professionals right and you've got the people who are a little more whole plant and whole you know alternative and, and that kind of thing and it's just like you know where do you where do you come down on this and it's like well the plant does all that so you got to come down on all that too so yeah totally I can I can see where that would be really difficult I'm curious, do either of you have any 2021 cannabis predictions that you care to share on this? I, f- I figure since this is the first episode of the year, as we, you know, it might be kind of fun to look back at this episode. I don't know. And, and say, what predictions did we make? I don't know. That is a good question, Chris. I, I guess I, I should have had you prepared for it, I guess. What do you think? Do you have any ideas? What do I think? Yeah. Well, I definitely think this year is the year that it's going to be decriminalized. I definitely believe that. Uh, so that's going to completely open up the marketplace, uh, from state to state. That's what I think is going to happen. That's my prediction. The, the federal government is going to decriminalize cannabis. Yeah. 
That would be huge in yep. 2021. I believe that it's going to happen this year. That's amazing. I'm not going to go that far, Chris. What do you think? I think, I think we get um, – I think they're going to have a uh, an independent study. I think the federal government is going to create an independent council to study the effects and to give us a report this year. And that's like as that. far as I think we're going to go is we're going to get a report of how to do it. And then we're going to hear at some point in the year, there's going to be all kinds of news articles about the possibilities and it's going to increase the, the amount of talk we have about it. And it's going to increase people's awareness of its benefits. I also on the negative side, my second prediction is you're going to see a couple of studies come out against the use of cannabis for things like increasing psychosis in anxiety and some of these things that are going to start the process of narrowing what cannabis is good for and what it might not be good for. And we're going to get a little clearer picture on that, or at least the beginning. Those are my two predictions. Any thoughts on either either of those, Valerie, or any thoughts on uh, other predictions or any, do you care to weigh in at all? Sure. Um, I'm always up for future embarrassment. Um, (laughs) So I think, uh, so the fact is that this year, the Moore Act was passed in the House, which means that at least in one part of our government, there is the political will to decriminalize, to make it more available for research, to make it more available in general. So um, I think that if the makeup of the Senate changes a little bit, um, it is possible, not probable in my opinion, I agree with you, Tim. I think it's possible that we'll see at least the beginnings of decriminalization this year. So in 2021. Um, So I would say I kind of agree with both of you. Um, to be honest, I do think, Tim, that we are going to see um, some uh, negative stuff come out. Um, I think it needs to be framed appropriately, though, um, because, you know, I, I do think that, especially in mental health, there is some serious benefit um, in the use of cannabis. I think it's just going to be a lot more precarious to find that point of homeostasis. So um, I do think that there's going to be money in it. And I think that big pharma and um, uh, people who want to do the money thing. um, I mean, it's already happening, but I think established companies are going to want to get their hands on it. And I think that those of us that do connect with this as a plant and as plant medicine, we have to fight really, really hard to stop people from breaking out the components and making it into medicine because it works better as the plant. So I think we're going to have to decide and hold the line. And I think 2021 is really when it's going to start to make that shift. Hmm. So there you go. I have a question on, you were talking about, you know, uh, the negative, you know, um, your prediction was kind of the negative, uh, reviews, the negative 
things of cannabis. What are your thoughts on, I mean, let's see if I can word this properly, because I don't personally think cannabis is for everybody. I mean, I think it can react negatively to some people. So it's kind of like if it reacts negatively to somebody, is that a negative light of the cannabis then, or is that just negative of them? It's kind of an interesting way to look at. Um, I don't know if that makes sense at all. I think yeah, so. I think that, so often, you and I, Tim, we want to glorify cannabis because it's so right. wonderful. But I think sometimes we have to remember that it isn't wonderful for everybody. Some people can't handle it. No, so and I and I think that that's where I honestly, it's one of the things that I have to constantly remind myself about in this space is we're constantly pushing for more and more access, more and more um, conditions to be added to the list and things like that, but. Because we can't research it in the same way we can other things, we cannot find out the good and we cannot find out the bad and get more specific about what's good and what's bad. We mm. all just say, well, nobody's died. So right. we might all, so let's just all use it. You know, let's just give it to everybody. And I, I agree with you, Chris. I think this year is, I think this year, because we're starting to see more specific research will now be able to start to see a narrowing of that, uh, of who may benefit, who may not benefit. I think that might be one of the good ways to get medical providers and the medical establishment on board, is if you can say, okay, look, we all agree, even in the cannabis field, we're going to agree, this is why we, this is who might not benefit. Then the medical providers would be like, okay, see, now we'll get on board. <laughs> I agree, honestly. I think uh, one of the one of the things that I hear just from my docs and from the people that I know is, you know, well, we don't have enough data. Well, we don't have enough data. Well, we don't have enough data. Oh, okay, I get that. So how do we get more data without it being decriminalized, without us being able to have more research studies. And, and, and the other thing about research studies is it depends on the question you ask too. Like, what are you trying to capture? If you go in trying to capture the positive, you're going to capture the positive. If you go in trying to capture the negative, you're going to capture the negative. So I think that it's super important to put whatever data that we do get into context and not just say, oh, well, yes, it causes psychosis or yes, it you know, causes anxiety or, or whatever that is. And I think that, that that's one of the things, Tim, that I like about your, your viewpoint, honestly, is even though you are pushing, one of the things that you're very clear about is we're here to help the patient, you know, and if I hear something that I'm concerned about, I'm going to tell you, or I'm going to tell the provider and then the provider is going to delve into that. So I think, I think that that's one of the things that's really good about having cannabis providers, you know, QMPs in, in specific, is that that's all you do. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's all you do. And, and if we can capture the data in some way, even if it's just the, the subjective data, and get that to the docs... That right there is going to be a huge key. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. This is a good. Thank you, Valerie. You're welcome. 
<laughs> There's been a lot of interesting stuff discussed on this episode. I think it's been uh, very informative. I learned a lot. Shoot, I want to go out and uh, get some more vaporizers now. Now I feel like I'm missing out, and you know? I need a couple more. Need to add a couple more to my collection. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad we had the conversation about some specifics about vaporizing because I think that we haven't had that talk on the podcast yet, Chris. And um, this this should be helpful, hopefully, for you know a lot of people who are curious that yeah. curiosity yep we'll destigmatize vaporizing cannabis right here right tonight. now that's right yeah what's uh what's going on utah news anything that we need to discuss on this episode tim that uh patients need to be aware of or anything so as of the date of the release of this podcast your letter is no longer valid yeah, this will be January 1st, this episode. Yep, so yep. your letter year. is no longer valid. If you do not have a medical card in Utah, you are using cannabis illegally today. And I'm sorry to say that, but it is true. And so that's the biggest, I think that, and then you have to have purchased by statute, you have to have purchased your cannabis in Utah in order for it to be legal, whether everybody is going to follow that or not. That's just the law how they're going to prove you bought it here we don't we don't quite know and but those are two huge changes i would imagine the packaging you know they need all those those stickers and receipts and blah 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 right yeah yeah so those are the two big announcements that i see the legislator uh, the legislative session is going to start and then they're going to discuss a few tweaks to the to the um to the law there uh, but nothing is nothing is set in stone yet. I wanted to mention uh, there's finally ounces. You can buy an ounce at, uh, Hul- or not wholesome, but uh, at Beehive. Beehive. Beehive has ounces. So that's yep. very uh, good to know for, they have a sativa and they have an indica blend, or not a blend, but, you know, two different Hybrid. strains available. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, and then pay attention. I think even um, um, Sugarhouse Select is going to be dropping some flour off soon here. Keep an eye on Instagram. You know, that's why I try to tell people, you know, watch on Instagram, get their text messages, whatever way to connect. So you can keep an eye on when flowers dropping at all these places because that stuff is flying off the shelves. Yeah. And then I guess as a, as a potential teaser, we, do, we probably will have a big announcement in the next couple of weeks. Uh, UtahMarijuana.org, Utah Therapeutic Health Center, you know, potentially going to Utah County. So. That's in the works. There you go, Tim. Do we have any other questions for Valerie or should we let her let her uh, get going or, or anything else you guys wanted to talk about on this episode? Not me. I'm good. Valerie, I'll see you soon. Oh, no. That's terrifying. Can, can <laughs> listeners, do you have an Instagram or anything, Valerie, that people can connect with you? Or, or is there like, I mean, in case people wanted to reach out and say hello or thanks for, the, you know. Something you said. Uh, I don't know. Do you have an email address or I don't know? Yeah. You you can even send it to Valerie at UTTHC.com. Awesome. Valerie at UTTHC.com. There you go. Absolutely. Reach out to me. And Tim, Tim, how can listeners connect with you or, or uh, find out more about uh, what you have going on? Well, for us, you know, Utah in the Weeds is found at UtahMarijuana.org. Um, we've got all the podcast episodes there and uh, summaries of them all. We're, we're getting, we're definitely pretty much caught up now with all the, all the episodes. 
And that's a great place to connect with me. See the the articles that we write and connect. If you have questions about your letter converting to a card this year and getting legal again, you know, definitely reach out to us there. You can chat with us online, but utahmarijuana.org. How about you, Chris? How about your other podcast? The other one, the other, my other podcast, I Am Salt Lake, I Am Salt Lake podcast, uh, IamSaltLake.com. Go give that one a listen. Uh, it's a fun podcast. That's actually how I met Tim. I, I probably say that on every episode and everybody's getting sick of hearing that, but it's true. I mean, that's what's, I'm having so much fun on that meeting all these people in Utah. You know, not only people in the cannabis game, but we're talking to food truck uh, owners, restaurant owners, bartenders, anybody, right? And so it's been neat to, you know, see the different sides of uh, Utah, different sides of Salt Lake City uh, by doing that. But I also want to mention if anybody is interested in coming on the show to go to utahmarijuana.org and, you know, like you were even mentioning, I think on one of the episodes, Tim is even hit up the chat, right? Like they can go to the chat oh, and yeah. hit somebody up and say, hey, I'm a patient or I'm a cultivator or whatever. And, and I want to come on the podcast and we would probably let you come on. Right. Absolutely. One more thing I want to mention. We have a voicemail line. We haven't, we haven't gotten any voicemails yet. It'd be cool if we got some, uh, we're thinking of just kind of starting this. If anybody has questions like for Tim or myself or questions about cannabis in Utah or topic ideas, whatever, we might play the voicemail on the podcast. And that number is 385-215-9557. So um, on that note, make sure to subscribe in whatever podcast app you're listening to this in. Go check out utahmarijuana.org and IamSaltLake.com. Thank you again, Valerie. And as Tim likes to say, stay safe out there, guys.